Welcome to series four of Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series in which we continue to pin down recruitment industry identities and leaders and we find out how they came from where they came from and how they ended up where they are today. As ever, we'll do our very best to keep the conversation candid and authentic in the hope to inspire, educate and motivate. My name is Pete Watson and I have a rec to rec business that's been kicking around for the better part of a couple of decades. And this is my own little way of helping the industry learn from others who have been there and done it. The fourth series of Recruitment Journeys is proudly sponsored by our very good friends of Vincere, the recruitment tech platform created by recruiters for recruiters and powered by the Recruiters Mentor Project. Check them both out at www.vincere.io and www.therecruitersmentorproject.com.au. Right, that's quite enough of all the corporate waffle. Let's crack on with series four of Recruitment Journeys. How did Paddy Faherty go from dreams of playing in the Premier League to masterminding the rebuild of an iconic Sydney recruitment brand that had taken a bit of a hiding through COVID? In this Recruitment Journeys podcast chat, we speak to Paddy about his own recruitment career, the highs and the lows, and what he thinks that secret sources is that he attributes to the success of rebuilding Xperius back to its former pre-COVID glory. Hope you enjoyed the chat. Patrick Flaherty from Xperius. Good morning, sir. How are you? Morning. How are you? Now you look. I'm, I'm. I'm good, mate. I'm good. You're looking very relaxed for a Friday morning. Is it the hat or the t-shirt? The stubble, the baseball cap. I like it. Yeah. It's it, it's it's get work. It's get work done day today. But is this you? Is this your? Is this your corporate attire? Is this how you look every day, or is this just like? Are you yeah. just dressed up for this podcast? I think the last time I wore a suit was probably when I when I got married. So um, I'm I'm a blazer and chinos type typically, but uh, I don't yeah I don't mind. It's a bit more chill. We get the work done. When did you get married? Three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. See, okay. So I I remember last time I I. I remember making a very conscious decision to stop wearing a suit and I turned up to meet a candidate who I ended up placing and it was eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And he was wearing a suit and he was wearing a smart suit, you know, like a waistcoat, waistcoat and everything. And I knew that he told me he'd had the he'd booked the day off work. I said, mate, why, why are you wearing a suit? You're not at work today. And he said, well, I wore a suit for you. Yeah. And uh, I felt terrible. And that was the last time I remember, Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's being an issue. And that was like, yeah. I reckon that was five or six years ago. It's just, it's, um, it's a power move. I think all the banks have got behind it now from a cultural yeah. point of view. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a dying thing now, unfortunately. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Right, mate. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Um, this is, well, wow, we, we are now in our fourth series. We've been going for two or three years. Um it's 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 a podcast that's you know what, what you know we basically speak to industry leaders, industry identities in the hope to you know, inspire, educate, and motivate anybody out there who might be remotely interested in in your life and career story, Paddy. And it's um, it is an interesting story, hence hence the invitation to come on and have a chat. Uh, so I'm calling. I've, I've definitely bigged you up with the title, mate. <laughs> and uh, I apologise for that. It makes you sound like an absolute legend. We are, yeah. we are calling you the, the podcast from pro footballer to COVID rebuild mastermind for reasons which will become apparent. Are you comfortable with the, the podcast title, Paddy? 
I think there's probably a more humble version that we'll probably go through. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I'll go with it for sure. It sounds good. Mate, we're, we're, <laughs> mate, we're recruiters. When did, when did humility ever, ever come into our lives? I mean, yeah. look, I can call you semi-pro footballer if you want, but you wouldn't like that. We'll just go with has been, I think. It'll probably be the best <laughs> version. <laughs> So mate, all we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about how you, uh, you went from, you know, those, uh, those, those years of presumably having, having Premier League, or it might have been Division One uh, yeah. dreams back then, to somehow finding yourself in recruitment, to somehow yeah. finding yourself taking over, uh, you know, an iconic recruitment brand that had, um, let's be honest, had, had, had its fair share of COVID problems. Yeah, uh, and you were given the arduous task to uh, essentially fix it. Yeah, because uh, that's quite that's quite a leap from A to to Z. But mate, let's uh, let's go back in time if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, actually, before we do that, look at me. I've just I've just missed introductions. I've already given uh, the the listeners and the viewers an introduction as to who you are. But in your own words, Paddy, who are you? Who am I? Uh, it's a really good question. It's quite a confronting question, isn't it? Um, I'm from Birmingham originally, uh, Pete. I think you knew that already. So uh, yeah, the whole football thing, starting there really. F football's in the sort of family DNA. It's in the it's in the bloodline. Uh, we had a I've got a granddad who played professional, and um, I kind of tried to follow his footsteps. And all my whole family are Aston Villa fans, uh, which we'll get into, I'm sure, when we talk about the football stuff. But yeah, when when you get told in your Stoke City uh, tracksuit. It was a cold Stoke night when I got told that you were going to get released. Uh, that was definitely a very humbling moment as a 20-year-old boy. I wasn't. I wasn't an adult. I was a boy. So, um, so yeah. I mean, about me. Now I live in Sydney. Been here for about 13 years. Yeah. Uh, had my own business during that time. Yeah. Uh, I've got two beautiful kids, and um, yeah, I'm now working for Experience. You are the GM of Experience New South Wales, is that correct? No, so my official title is State Director so, uh, for New South Wales. So, um, okay. you know, and, and I think where the business was versus now, there's been a tremendous amount of investment in business. Yeah. So the role, the role's just been evolving by literally by the six month. I've had a, I've had a, a, a promotion already. So, um, it's essentially a, a GM role for New South Wales. Yeah, cool. All right, mate. So let, let's let's go back in time. So so you, you've you've kind of touched on it. Um, professional football aspirations, uh, presumably things at one point were looking good. Professional contracts. Um, who are you who who are you on the books of in that in that time? So uh, I was with Stoke City. So. Uh, Years later, they got into the Premier League in the UK, obviously, but uh, at that time, it would have been the old Division One. Yeah, okay, all right. And um, what happened at the age of 20 when they let you go? What did, because yeah. that, would, that would have been your first, I mean, that would have been a monumental moment in your life, right? Did you hang up your boots or did you go, okay, well, Stoke, that's your loss. I'll go and find my yeah. next football home. Um. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know how deep we go on these podcasts, but uh, it was definitely a, it was a dark time for someone who hadn't really met much resilience at that point. I think most things were, 
as a footy player, it was quite easy as a teenager for me. I'd obviously got a bit of talent. Uh, I was bigger than most of the other lads. I stopped growing. Obviously, I'm only, I'm not, not even six foot. I can admit that now. Many, many years. Um, so yeah, to, to hit that wall at 300 miles an hour, um, I didn't see it coming. So when I was told, you know, a lot, a high percentage of people get released and a good percentage of them go on and make it somewhere else, but um, got released. Uh, and then I basically just, I went to a non-league team called Hensford Town. <clears throat> a quick story on that. There's a guy called Ashley Williams. You can Google it. Ashley Williams played for Wales, captain of Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, got a, I've got a team sheet somewhere. So the first game I played, he was on the bench. Six games later, he was the captain and I was on the bench. So there was yeah. kind of a, it was yeah. the, pass, the passing of, he went on and did massive things. And I think for me, I just kind of, I just fell out of love with it, Pete, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know, I was 20 years old, impressionable. To that point, I hadn't really been going out that much. So I started, you know, getting on the beers, going out, doing what all my mates did. Um, so football, I just fell out of love with it. Wasn't meant to be then, if that was the case. Uh, if you fell out of it, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Because if, if you'd forced it, you would have been yeah. for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, and I, I came out to Australia when I was 24. 24. Uh, I came out here. Right. Okay. Well, hang on. So, so yeah. when when well, so, you, so you finished your football career twenty-ish. At what point did you uh, end up in recruitment, and, and how did that come about? Um, I look to it for anyone to admit they walked into recruitment as their dream job. They're obviously. Uh, can we swear on this or not? I don't know. But the 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 um they're lying. <laughs> mate, sorry, mate. Mate, I'm gonna have to challenge you. I'm gonna have to challenge you on that point. That, you're, you're talking about me. Okay. You're talking about me. I, I desperately wanted to get into recruitment. Sorry, it's yeah. my mate. It's about you. I desperately wanted to get into recruitment because my mate was yeah. working in computer futures. Um, and he was telling me how much money he was earning. I was running okay. clubs in Manchester and uh, yeah. applied for Progressive, who you would know. Yeah. Had six interviews. Yeah. Uh, got rejected eventually. Yeah. And, uh, I just couldn't stand the fact that I'd been reject rejected and wouldn't let me in. So yeah. um, I went and got like six months telesales experience and reapplied. I yeah. did want the job and I fought for the job, but I know what you're saying. 99.9% .9 of people fall into recruitment. You know, it's not, it's not a knock on it. It's just a career that you don't expect to be as good and wonderful as it has been to me. I don't know it's been like for yourself, mate, but um, so I got into it. I was working for HSBC Bank. I was working mm -hmm. in a branch. I was doing my financial planning certificates. So I did that and it was, beyond boring it wasn't the environment for me I had a little bit about me I wanted to sell I was a bit of a jack the lad back then and same story as what you've just said then I was out I saw a friend he had a oversized Hugo Boss suit on back in the day obviously he, looking back now he probably couldn't afford it so he's obviously gone out and bought something but I was just drawn to that Again, I was, I was just impressionable. I wasn't going to make it as a footballer. I had friends who were making money from football now. So I thought this could be a little ticket out here. So that's how I got into recruitment. Um, I interviewed with Progressive, who were part of S3. Uh, Mass, they were huge in the UK. Like huge, 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 huge. So I kind of fell on it really early on with Progressive. First year, became rookie of the 
the year. That was a big deal across Progressive. Uh, I think at that point we had 2,000 consultants across UK and Europe, across the mm. S3 group. And that was, that was just an unbelievable experience. There was which, uh, which, which office were you in? Uh, the Birmingham office. Yeah, right. yeah. Looking, looking back, some of the stuff we got up to, I mean, you, you couldn't get away with it now, but it, it was borderline Wolf of Wall Street stuff. I think, uh, yeah. I, I think HR would have had a, a, you know, looking back at, I'll give you an example. So if, if someone did a zero or did a donut in a month, I remember there was thing there was a donut challenge. So you had to eat three donuts without licking your lips. It was a 10 second penalty. Once you did that, so there's probably normally about four or five that did donuts. Do you remember the old skull, skull beer yeah. in a large can, Scottish drink? You had to drink out of a straw and finish that can. It was the last person then had to do it. It was just, it was dumb stuff like that. Um, I, I, I remember saying to my boss that I didn't actually want to go out tonight, yeah. tonight being a Thursday night. Yeah. Because that was the notorious night that we were obliged to go out. Yeah. And, uh, and he said to me, it was, a, it was a bad career decision. And, um, and you, would, you would go out on Thursday night begrudgingly and you would end up like yeah. drunk. And you yeah. come in on Friday morning because everybody was so terrified of not being at their desk at, at 8.30. Yeah. You would come in at 7.30 or 8 and there'd be people asleep under the desks. Yeah, yeah. Because they were just so scared of not being at their desk, but they knew they were going to get tanked up. Yeah. But that, that was a sustained model for the time. You know, they, they were churning through people through the door. Um, they had, it was just a different market. And I think a different time culturally. Um, you know, I'm glad I went through it. I would never replicate that now for obvious reasons, but yeah, good times. That was that was my training ground for recruitment. Okay, so, so did you? Um, so you joined the S three group in the UK. Yeah. Um, how did you end up in Australia? Um, I, I could give a glamorous story, but it wasn't. I I had a friend, um, Andrew Sully. Shout out to Andrew. He's yeah. um, working at Talenza, so he's one of my best mates, and um, he moved over with progressive initially and uh he was on to me mate you got to get out here he kept sending me manly and um ivy pool and all that sort of stuff this is 2008 remember so mate, i can't how am i going to do that so i basically i gave the business an ultimatum <laughs> said either look take me to australia or i'm going to leave so they called my bluff at first so they basically said look you know do what you got to do so Eventually, it came around that uh, I had to pay for my own ticket, um, but they gave me a job in Sydney. So, um, but when I got to Sydney, there was a massive opportunity because obviously S3 back then had a huge amount of money and capacity to grow globally because they were obviously on, on the stock exchange, etc. But I went in, there was myself, Sully and two others. And this office was capacity could hold 200 people. So... <laughs> We were, we were playing cricket at lunchtime in the office. It was that big. So um, we, we grew that pretty quickly. I think we got up to, I want to say 30, 35 people in six months. Yeah. And we were just kids, mate. Like we, we just, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Yeah. I think we were getting governed from global. It was KPI, KPI, KPI. But again, another learning experience. And um, for me, I think I'd kind of just exhausted myself with that. So then, then it was sort of time to move on. Okay, so you you did what what a lot of us do, what a lot of recruiters do, when they realise they've they've got a, a talent for something and they've carved out a name in a niche and they yep. they 
uh, are, you know, have a set of balls for want of a better phrase. Yeah. It's probably the worst phrase I could have used in yeah. this particular sentence. You, um, you went out and, and did your own thing. Yeah. At what point did you, did you know that that was something that you were going to do? Um, I think I, I always had that independence and it was always bubbling away. And I think the, the months or the year prior to doing it, your, my head was questioning everything, you know, and in hindsight, you know, now I've grown up a little bit and now I'm on the other side of the fence working for a corporate and paying payroll. And for me, it was, a, it was constantly questioning everything, commission, super, does this go on this? How does this work? And, and suddenly it, it kind of just hits a reality and I'm like, God, I, I really want to do this myself. And, you know, consider this was 2012, 2013. And I think for me, it was that early movement or early person, um, the first person to do it, get out the blocks type of thing. And, you know, the years after that, quite a few of my mates set up their own companies too. So there's a bit of ego involved. I wanted to sort of do it. I wanted the freedom. Um, ultimately, I just wanted to earn more money. In hindsight, you don't get as much freedom. <laughs> you probably don't make as much money early on anyway. So um there was a lot of learnings, that's for sure, in those first two or three years. So please remind me, how, how long did you have your own business? Um, so I had Scout Talent um, eight years, yeah, eight, okay. nearly nine years, yeah. And at its peak, how, how, how big did you manage to grow it? Uh, we, got, we got up to, at peak, about 20 people. Um, Revenues, we were, we were predominantly a, a perm-focused business. We definitely had contracts running. Um, but yeah, we, we, um, we, had a, we carved a really nice space for ourselves in the digital space. So early on, it was more marketing, advertising. But then towards the sort of last three or four years, we got more into the sort of product UX space. And it, and it just worked really well with the market moving towards that sort of transformation piece. And mm -hmm. keep in mind, Pete, I come from a really strong... IT, S3, you know, background. So the, the world's just met at the right time. So I think it was year four or five. We just had unbelievable years and um, we made a ton of money during those years, you know, and admittedly the years before, um, you know, it takes a lot to get something off the ground, you know, to, to build to 20 staff. Mm. It's not just the exhaustion of finding them, uh, onboarding them, it's actually the payroll and running all the cash flow behind it too. And knowing that every hire you make, you're taking a dent at your profit. So you can kiss goodbye to your fancy car. You can kiss goodbye to your big house for another two years. So that was constantly going through my head. And, and I think also whilst I was building that practice, I was just I was just naive. I was, you know, ignorant to what business was. And I think, you know, towards the end, obviously I'd sharpened my teeth more. Um, but it was definitely a good, it was a long, uh, exhausting and expensive MBA for me. So, mm. okay. yeah. So, hey, just breaking away from the conversation for one quick minute, just to let you know that Recruitment Journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech partner, purpose-built for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. Designed for agencies only and not HR. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms across Australia, New Zealand and beyond. 
You can learn more about Vincere on my exclusive interview with their CEO and founder on season two, episode 14 of this podcast. In the meantime, if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth and give your recruiters an edge over the competition, please visit vincere.io slash mint for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Now, back to the chat. How did you, um, I mean, your, if you look at your, your, I suppose, your worlds before the world that you're in now, you know, yep. professional soccer, the S3 group, and your own business. Yeah. Any one of those three or all of those three couldn't be, couldn't be further removed from, from where you find yourself now, which yep. is working in a, in a, in a large yep. corporate uh, enterprise. How, how did that happen? How did you find yourself to be working for Experis? <laughs> how did that come about? Um, Rob Millington is a friend, good friend of yourself. Um, I, I found myself in a position after I'd sold Scout, I was working with the business that I sold to. Um, you are great people, by the way, nothing bad, but they unfortunately, their big focus was on the travel industry. Yeah. Um, and obviously that took a bit of a dive during COVID. So I think there was a, just unfortunately, there was a lack of investment in the investment that they'd made. I had a year to sort of work through before I could leave anyway. So after the 12 month mark, I found myself kind of in the wilderness and uh, even someone with my experience and background, it's really, it is scary because like, you, you're confronted suddenly with, it, it, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, um, I was meeting with people, I was getting pushed back. And I think, you know, you've got your inner beliefs and you're like, Jesus Christ, I could do that job or I could do that job. I'm not going to obviously name names, but there was a lot. There was a lot of resilience. COVID was happening. So I think a lot of businesses were putting job briefs out, which would be very familiar to you, I'm sure. They were putting job briefs out, but they weren't actually committing to filling the position. Mm. So I found myself going from interview to interview thinking, Jesus, I thought I'd be a shoe in, you know, I thought I'd get a job quite easily. So. There was a bit of that happening. Um, at the same time, uh, Rob Millington um, approached me at the time. So Rob was a general manager um, across the Melbourne team. Yeah. And we just hit it off. I've got a quick story on this. So um, met Rob. I thought, I don't want to work, I don't want to work for bloody manpower group, you know, experience, never heard of them type of thing. And the more the more I kind of got into it and, the, and I met with the right people, I think there was just, just, just total stigma and bad representation going on. So they flew me out to Melbourne. They treated me like a rock star. They really did. They, they, I stayed over. I met the whole team, um, got offered the job. I knew that it was going to be a rebuild. I was already told about the previous administration with the Greythorn acquisition because Experis is uh, what the old Greythorn was. Yeah. Um, there was a mass exodus during COVID. There were a lot of people let go and we're very transparent about that. You know, I don't want to talk about previous history because I wasn't there. It's not my business either to talk about that, but it was messy. Okay, and I think where us as a business now recognize that is we can't fix that now, but we can certainly move forward as a more transparent business and we can operate in certain ways and better ways um but going back to rob so yeah offer job i accepted the job and i thought shit i've not even gone in to the sydney office so i was like what, what schoolboy right so first day rob's in melbourne calls me up all right pat 
you know, good luck with your first day. How do you, how do I even get into this thing? Oh, someone will come and meet you. I went into the office, Pete, I should you not, I went in and it was, it was crickets. There was no one in the office because it was that kind of in and out of COVID thing. There was one girl, uh, Ruth McRory, she still works for us. She's on maternity at the moment, um, maternity leave. Um, beautiful human, like she's awesome and she's coming back to us. Um, but she sat there and she's like, what, what are you like? You've got a pair of balls and need to take this job on type of thing. I was like, why, what's happened? Where's the team? Three people had left two weeks prior to me starting. Wow. So there was me and her sat in this office. Again, capacity of this office is 150, 200 people. Man, it was just a reality check. I was like, what have I done? Two of you on the two day that you arrived. Two people. So that's, wow. and Ruth won't mind me telling this story. So a, a day after I'd started, she's like, I need to go for a coffee with you. It's like, oh, fuck, here we go. So my heart is like, hey, I know what's coming. Great news. She's she's not leaving, but she's going on. She's pregnant. She's going on maternity. <laughs> <laughs> I call Robert. Mate, what what the fuck have you put me into? So, um, let's fast forward just on that story. So we've got twenty four staff. This was this was less than twelve months, and so I've been here twelve months now. So we've built the business, Sydney business, up to twenty four. We were about to inherit some big accounts over from the actual group. We got the Westpac, um, it's a massive, massive client for us. That now folds into our arm as well. So the team is continuously growing. We have got a unbelievable retention. You know, um, I won't mention his name, but a, a lad that you've um, you've helped us find. Uh, he left to go play professional football, and. Uh, you know, he's come back. So it, I think it's a testament to the culture and the people that we've got and we've built within this team. So yes, there was some, there was an early couple of dark days, but yeah, we got on with it. So, okay. So we, we, we obviously know that this is a su success story. Otherwise we wouldn't have yep. gone into the podcast, but let's, let's, let's not jump ahead uh, too much. Yep. We'll come back yep. to where the business is today. Okay. What did you see when, when Ruth gave you that news and you thought, okay, essentially I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm on my own, which is, mad to think of the, the size of the brand you know the iconic brand that yeah. you're working for it's mad to think it was essentially you yeah what what were the main problems that you felt that you were immediately faced with what did you think you needed to deal with quickly um it wasn't just me, by the way. You know, I'd love to take all the credit. Okay. And I'm not, this isn't a, a match of the day, thanks to the lads for playing well. It's not that. But we've got, when I started, we were already going through a bit of a rebuild phase. So um, my uh, immediate boss at the time, he came in as an executive GM. And his job from global was to sort shit out. That was his job. So uh, the timing couldn't have been better. So for me to have the support from that, I'll come back to your question, rather. I just wanted to mm -hmm. say that first and foremost. I didn't want it to all sound like me. So sure. to have the support from a leadership team from that capacity, it made it made a world of difference. So from from our, from my perspective, the first thing we had to do was completely rebuild the brand because it it there was a it wasn't decimated. I think that's the wrong thing to say, but we'd just kind of fallen into the shadows a little bit. No one knew who we were. 
it was a hard sell to try and get people on board. Um, clients were starting to dip out because we hadn't been as consistent or we hadn't been sort of up to speed. So first and foremost, rebrand. So that's internally, externally. We, we still got a lot of work to do, but we're certainly going at a rate of speed, right? Like we're, we're really going forward at the moment, which is great. Um, another another one was just how disjointed it all was mm. from a from a comms perspective and the communication lines between the group um again we've had we've had a new um managing director join the manpower group penny o'reilly and to be honest i couldn't speak any more highly of her like she's been she's just she won't mind me saying this she's a pocket rocket she literally just gets around in people's faces in a positive way and she's just like right how are you going to work with so-and-so? And that's what the business needed from the top down. So um, rebrand, disjointed. Um, we just, we needed a heartbeat back as well. We needed a culture that people could talk about, be proud of, happy to go into that stuff with you too. But they, they, they were the sort of the big things for me. It, it, look, it's important to say that um, what you experienced or what experience experienced, um, wasn't unique to experience, right? Um, yeah. COVID, COVID battered the industry and certain businesses, you know, took a, took a stronger toll than others. And what was really interesting at the time was if you, if you spoke to, this industry loves, um, loves to put a tag on people's backs, right? So yeah. if, if there's any kind of rumors in the market that things aren't going great, everybody yeah. pounces on it. Um, and that, and as a rector, I can tell you that, that that was not exclusive to experience. I can, I can, I can think of a dozen others. Yeah. Um, and you would find that, yeah, obviously I was, you know, got history with, with Rob and, and now yourself. And every time I spoke to somebody about Greythorn or experience, um, they'd be like, oh, hang on, let me go and do some research. Let me go some, do some digging. Let me go some due diligence. I think I've heard, I think I've heard a few things. And like your heart would be in your mouth because you knew that they would come back and say, mm, a few problems yeah. on a few problems done experience. So it was that that you were contending with as well. You know, the 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 broader, the broad, yeah. the broader brand damage, if you like. Yeah, for sure. That the, the legacy that I kind of walked into, yeah, it was it was um it was more than a challenge, that's for sure. But um it also kind of lit, lit a fire in me as well in that, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone who gives up on something easily. And I think, you know, obviously I made a bit of a joke about Ruth telling me and there's no one in the office, but I knew, I knew what I was coming into. Um, I knew that there was people above me that had my back, you know, coming into a state director position from someone who'd run their business. I didn't know, I didn't have all the answers from a, a corporate or a, whatever you want to call it you know manpower is a big company right so did i did i know intrinsically how those business operate no not not at all how they strategize how they map how they the contractor service work i was i had a big learning curve for six months but whilst i was learning i could apply i could apply all the things i learned running my business which you know are the value values is so important so i had to we almost had to start writing from scratch you know and we had yeah. to come up with our own values you know what what do we live by obviously the company has values of course but i wanted to create um our own narrative for sydney and that and that was really important for me from the start um you know some people 
you know, looking at it from my perspective, it was a hard sell. I had to get people in and I had to get bums on seats. So unless you create that story or you create that vision is the best way to put it. You know, people aren't going to buy into that. So I think that's what we did. I did very well early on was creating that vision and that, that, um, the, the, the dream, you know, we've got the team, we've got the investment, we've got the opportunity. Um, and you know what, Pete, we've not looked back, you know, there, 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 there have been bad times to this business, but six months in, you know, we were already at 15, 16 staff. I'd hired three or four major, in my opinion, major, major names from the industry. And that alone gave us a lot of stability and structure because clients would then start to gravitate towards you again. And it was a lot easier to hire midweights and juniors again, because once the structure's there and then it started to snowball. So, um, yeah, that, that was um, that was definitely important at the start. So, mate, how did you I'm, I'm probably going to make you a bit uncomfortable here, maybe make you right. squirm. Um, but if you if you are hiring experienced people, yeah. Who, who would know what's happened at Xperis. Um, and you produce... Are you going to tell me to do an elevator pitch? Is that... No, 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 Yeah, sell this pen. No, sell, sell this opportunity. No, no, no. I can't, I can't sell pens, can you? Um, no, I'm going to say to you, so presumably in the interview process, you would have been having hard conversations, conversations about what they were coming into. And yes, the rumors are true. Yes, we've had a tough time during COVID. Yeah. Um, you managed to get them over the line, so kudos. Yeah. But how much how much credit are you going to give yourself for getting those people over the line? Because I, I would imagine, I mean, look, I, I'm proud to say I've, I've been involved in a few placements with you and, and yeah. without blowing smoke up your ass, mate. So many of those people have said, oh, look, just the opportunity to work with Paddy would be great. Yeah. Um, how much how much of a pat on the back are you giving yourself for this this uh, this rebirth, let's call it? Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, look, Jesus, I, I'd be I'd be dumb to say I, I wasn't a big part of it, but especially initially, I think I'll pat myself on the back. But I think we hired the right people, and then it's just the growth. How do you say this? Like, you know, for me, the growth has been a twelve-month project. It will continue to go on, obviously, after that, but. Those initial conversations were the hardest conversations. And then I think as, as we've kind of gone towards the 12 month mark, as the team, team's grown, as the client base has grown, as the business has recognized what we're doing more, the sell has obviously got easier. But for me early on, if, if, you're, if you have an opportunity to talk to a recruiter, particularly a senior recruiter, I think you've got to park the story of, around the business. You've got to sell your passion because they're investing their time to spend with you as their mentor, as their boss. And they've got to look you in the eyes and go, okay, you've got my back. Um, I believe in you. I think that's the, the biggest thing is the belief, you know, does, will this guy ride and die for me? You know, is he, has he got enough credibility with the people above? Um, and, you know, overwhelmingly, he's still got a passion for the game. I think there's a lot of leaders out there, friends of mine, I can say, um, who have just lost their way, they've lost their passion, and that comes across. You know, you've got to be passionate if you're going to hire in this current market space. And I think for me, over, overwhelmingly was, I'm here, I'm locked in, this is my company, I'm talking like it's my company, 
you're either coming with us or you're not type of thing. Um, you know, there's probably a bit of sell around it as well. You know, we've got six other candidates, you know, we've only got four spots. But, um, but yeah, well, um, I appreciate your compliments, but uh, it's, it's definitely got easier as the team's gone, got bigger. One of, one of my final questions, because because I, I I'm not I'm not doing I know I'm, I know I make this look all so natural. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a lot of questions here. Um, okay. One of them is um, what's been the secret sauce behind getting Experience New South Wales back on its uh, on its on, on its on its feet? And um, you've answered that. It's passion, right? It's passion, and that's it for me. When 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 selecting, if I can say that, when selecting any company that I work with. It's always about the leadership and it's always about the passion of the leadership. And uh, that's the secret sauce. Okay. So yeah, definitely for me, there's the uh, there's two parts to it. There's the attraction piece, which is what we spoke about uh, with passion. Um, who, am I buying into the individual? Behind that, then you've got the team. They look like a cool bunch of people. Then thirdly to that, the office looks nice and they've got sweets in the kitchen, whatever, right? So you, you're attracting them in. The, the other element of it is retaining them. It has a huge, huge, huge thing that gets understated because we're talking about growth. Growth isn't all about attraction. Growth for me is, we, you know, it's cheaper to retain them than try and bring people on. So it's a, it's a big part of what I'm trying to do as part of this growth. Yeah, okay, mate. Well, congratulations! You've nailed it. You've you've Thank absolutely you. nailed it. No, nobody can say you didn't come in and uh, and and hit the brief. But um, the big question for me, you know, twelve months into the job, yeah, what's um, what's next now that you've got it back on track? What's next? Because oh, you've God. already because you've already told me. I tried to talk to you about a candidate last week, and you said actually, you no, know, we're going to put the brakes on, which was very disappointing to hear. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. There's, a, there's only so many hours in a day right now. But um, yeah. what's next for you? What's next for Experience New South Wales? Look, we're definitely going to have a little nudge come May, May sort of time. I think we are just going through the sort of embedding phase right now. We've got a lot of juniors that have joined the team. We've got a lot of seniors that have joined the team. So right now we're part of that growth is just figuring out the process internally, you know, um, how where's the workflow where's the job flow where's the clients there's a lot of work that goes into sort of that get that team together in a very short space of time so it's a boring answer but my immediate focus is getting that sorted um we've got a you know gp is the name of the game so i'd love to make a bonus at the end of the year um and, and i'm just enjoy hey i'm enjoying it I, i'm so enjoying it right now and you know i think there's there's other runs up the ladder for me um I, you know, I've, I've won some awards recently too, part of the group, and I, I got to do an MC gig the other day, or co-host an MC gig for a big leadership manpower event. So, I'm I'm getting a lot of success, or a lot of successes from the work I've done over the last 12 months. So, for me, I just want to continue doing what I'm doing. You know that the the gunshot, let's get to the top. I did that when I had my business, and right now I'm just in a really happy spot. And I'm just enjoying it. And I'm having a lot of fun with the team. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Well, long, whatever, whatever you're doing, continue doing it, mate. Continue enjoying yeah. it. That's, that's the, uh, that's the yeah. name of the game though, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, if you're not enjoying yourself in recruitment, then it's a pretty tough gig. Exactly. But mate, I, I don't know when this airs, but I just want to say to yourself, thank you for all your help as well. I think it's, uh, 
it, it, it's just the industry we're in, but you guys don't get recognized enough and you've been nothing but awesome in the last 12 months with us. So yeah, sincerely, wow. thank you. You found me some amazing people who are, and you haven't paid me to say this, but you know, the people you found me are all doing tremendously well right now. And I uh, hand on heart say that. And uh, good luck with your trip back as well. Mate, thank you, Paddy. Thank you so much for, uh, for being involved, mate. And um, enjoy the rest of your Friday. I'll catch up with you when I get back. Take care, mate. By, by, by which point, I hope you'll be hiring again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Paddy. Cheers, Take mate. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Recruitment Journeys. Now, whilst we are very passionate about bringing to you inspirational stories from the recruitment industry, our day job, our bread and butter, if you like, is recruitment to recruitment. That's what we do. So if there are any recruiters out there listening to this podcast who are thinking about their next chapter um, and they just want to have a confidential chat about what's going on in the marketplace in their respective cities, please do not hesitate to reach out in the strictest of confidence. Call me, Pete Watson, on 0432 or drop me an email at pete at mintrecruitmentgroup.com and you will find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm all over the place. Thank you so much for listening and hope to see you again.